Hebrews chapter 6, starting in verse 4. It says, It is impossible for those who have once been enlightened, who have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance. Because to their loss, they're crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Land that drinks in the rain, often falling on it, and that produces a crop useful to those for whom it is farmed, receives the blessing of God. But land that produces thorns and thistles is worthless and is in danger of being cursed. In the end, it will be burned. Even though we speak like this, dear friends, we're confident of better things in your case, things that accompany salvation. God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love that you have shown to him as you have helped his people and continue to help them. We want each of you to show the same diligence to the very end in order to make your hope sure. We do not want you to become lazy, but to imitate those who through faith and patience inherit what has been promised. And so... uh, We come to this passage trying to figure some things out. And we want to confess at the beginning, this is a difficult passage. This is not an easy passage to to deal with. There's been lots of of debate by scholars and and, and men and women that think themselves to be scholars about exactly what uh, these verses would mean. And so we kind of have to ask ourselves, when we we study a passage like that, and clearly this passage has something to do with salvation, because that's what's mentioned here. It talks about land in verse 7 and 8. Uh, verse 9, even though we speak like this, dear friends, we're confident of better things, in your case, things that accompany salvation. So we know that this passage has to do with salvation, and we know it also has to do something with, with the falling away. And, uh, and so um, people would term what, what's going on here apostasy. So, so how do we then interpret a passage that is difficult like this? And, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, the key is always context. The key is always context. You can't take uh, four, six, eight verses and, and just build a theology on there. You have to think about the context. Now, what is the context of the book of Hebrews? What's the theme? Jesus is better. So then how should we interpret every passage of Scripture in this book? We should interpret it through what the life and the lens of Jesus Christ, because he's better. And so uh, what we're going to do this morning is, it, it, that, that's what we're going to do. Uh, so this passage is talking about apostasy. So let's de- define what apostasy is just so we're all on the same page. Here's a very simplistic definition, okay? Apostasy is the act of falling away from what one has believed, okay? Apostasy is the act of falling away from what one uh, has believed. That's just a big fancy word for, for that act. of I believe something, no longer believe it. I've fallen away from that. Now, um, The problem with that is that concept immediately, you see that definition, and and that's going to start little theological bells are going off, aren't they? And so so you you, you understand this concept, now you're thinking, wait a second, does that mean that you can lose your salvation? And what does that say about the grace of God, right? Does that mean that somehow uh, that that you can... God's grace can be lost on you or, or that you can deny it or, or that it can be resisted. And then suddenly this passage, what was actually meant to be pretty straightforward, becomes a theological minefield. I don't know about you. I don't ever want to walk in a minefield. Okay? And so what do we do? What do we do? Well, we remember the context. The book of Hebrews, Jesus is better. We interpret the passage through the lens and the life and the ministry of Jesus. And when we begin to do that and we begin to think through that and, and, and decide contextually, this is about Jesus, and Jesus is better, and, and we're, we're, how, how would Jesus view this? And then we begin to think, wait a second, Jesus actually taught on this. 
Do you know Jesus actually taught on the subject of apostasy? Turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13, our Lord and Savior, whom is better, the theme of this entire book, actually teaches on apostasy. Uh, and, and maybe in your Bible it's called the parable of the sower. This morning our banner, our theme, our lesson is this, Jesus is better soil. Jesus is better soil. And so I want to talk to you about this parable uh, that Jesus teaches here. Matthew chapter 13, I'm going to begin in verse 1. We'll read all the way through verse 23. It says, That same day Jesus went out of the house and he sat by the lake. Such large crowds gathered around him he could uh, that he got into a boat and he sat in it while all the people stood on the shore. Then he told them many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, And the birds came and they ate it up. Some fell on rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and then choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil where it produced a crop, listen to this, a hundred, sixty, or thirty times what was sown. He who has ears, let him hear. The disciples came to him and they asked, why do you speak to the people in parables? And he replied, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of heaven has been given to you, but not to them. Whoever has will be given more and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. This is why I speak to them in parables. Though seeing they do not see, though hearing they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become callous. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. Mm. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. For I tell you the truth, many prophets and righteous men long to see what you see, but they did not see it. And to hear what you hear but did not hear it. Listen then to what the parable of the sower means. It's a very rare occasion. Jesus not only teaches, but now he's going to explain. A lot of times we read the parables of Jesus and then we're like, well, what does that mean? And then all the scholars have to debate it. Guess what? Jesus, the source, who is better, is going to explain exactly what it means. Okay? Here we go. Verse 19. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in his heart. This is the seed sown along the path. The one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since he has no root, he lasts only a short time when trouble, it's talking about when the sun arrives, when trouble or persecution comes, Because of the word, he quickly falls away. Verse 22. The one who received the seed that fell among the thorns is the man who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke it, making it unfruitful. But the one who received the seed that fell on good soil is the man who hears the word, understands it. He produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown. Three things I want to share with you, okay? So we think about this passage in Hebrews. We're interpreting it through the lens 
life and ministry and teaching of Jesus. Number one, understand there are many types of soil. There are many types of soil. Jesus talks about four of them here, right? And he begins, he says, well, there's some of the seed that falls on the path, right? Well, what is the path? It is the road. It is the highway. It is the place where people what? They walk. They walk, right? This is what Jesus says about where people walk, by the way, Matthew chapter 7. He says, enter through the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the road. That's the path. So what that word means there, that leads to destruction and many enter through it. And the point of a path, friends, is it's where everybody walks, isn't it? And what happens when everybody tramples over the same area over and over and over again? That area becomes compressed, right? It it, it becomes compressed. It becomes hard, if you will. It's packed down. And, and, And Jesus says here, these people are that way. They, they, they have been hardened to the things of the kingdom of God so that when they hear about the kingdom of God, they don't even understand it. And if you're looking for an image in the Bible of these kind of people, this is Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1 says, For though they knew God, uh, they, 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 uh, they neither glorified Him as God or, or gave thanks to Him. It says that they exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And, and remember saying, listen, God is, is evident in nature. But these people are denying the existence of God. And, 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 and that, that, that wide path, that's what you find. It's just so hard. And, and there's no understanding of the things of God because they're completely turned against the things of God. They're enemies of God. Okay? That's the first type. Now, the second type of soil you really have to pay attention to because this is actually the type of soil that we're talking about in Hebrews chapter 6. Right In Hebrews chapter 6, it's talking about soil, uh, seed that falls on what the rocky path. Now, now, what is the rocky path? It says that it, it, it receives it, it's got some soil, it shoots up immediately, and it grows. But what happens? It says when the sun comes, and Jesus explains that, he explains that uh, here in verse um, 20, he says the one who received the seed that fell on the rocky places is the man, hears the word, and once receives it with joy. But get this, it says, but since he has no root, he lasts only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes, the word, uh, uh, because of the word, he quickly falls away. Now, what's happening in Hebrews? What's happening? They're receiving persecution. And, 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 and listen, the author is writing. He's saying, listen, I know there are some that have fallen away, but you don't be one of them. And he's explaining the parable that Jesus taught. He, he's saying, listen, don't be one of those guys. Don't you remember the words of our Lord? Some people are going to do that. They're going to receive it with joy. But when persecution comes, they're going to fall away. That's another type of person. And so Jesus clearly teaches us that. Then there's the third type, right? And, 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 and so, by the way, if you're looking for, for well, who is that kind of person in the Bible? Well, that's the people in Hebrews 6 that, that have already fallen away. These are the people. Jesus says tons of people come up to him and said, Lord, Lord. Right? Lots of people wanted to believe in Jesus or follow Jesus. But he says, but, but, but listen, uh, to several of them, I'm going to say, away from me. I knew you not. Right? Uh, think about the crowds. You know, the Bible says in several places there were disciples that left Jesus. They called themselves disciples, and then Jesus would teach something like, um, well, if you want to follow me, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. You want to follow me, let the dead bury their own dead. Right? You want to follow me, then, then you're going to have to eat of my body and drink of my blood. And it says that they left him. Now, were they really disciples? No. No. They weren't really disciples. So that, that, that's, this is what we're talking about. That's rocky ground. So what's the third type of soil? The third type of soil that they're talking about is, is the seed that falls uh, along the thorny soil, right? The thorny soil. And, and again, it shoots up, but what happens? The thorns choke it out. 
The weeds choke it out. If you have a lawn, you know what I'm saying, right? Beautiful, wonderful grass. I, yesterday, I'm out on my knees. I'm trying to pull out the ridiculous weeds and uh, nut grass. What nut grass? Are you kidding me? It's everywhere. I'm trying to pull it out. I should probably just like nuke it and spray something up. I'm trying to pull out all the nut grass. This third type, it, 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 it's choked out. It says, Jesus is explaining, by the worries of life and the deceitfulness of wealth. Think about the rich young ruler. Think about the rich young ruler. What did the rich young ruler uh, uh, receive the, the, the message of Jesus with joy? I mean, he basically comes running to Jesus. Lord, Lord, I'm ready to follow you. What do I have to do to get this eternal life? You can just see him. And Jesus says, you want to follow me? Then follow me. And, I, and the guy's looking at him now a little weird. What do you mean if I want to follow you, then follow you? I'm here to follow you. He says, fine, you want to follow me, then follow me. What are you talking about? Here's what I'm saying. If you want to follow me, you've got to stop following you. Give up all your possessions and come and follow me. It's the message of Christ, isn't it, to all of us? You want to follow me, follow me. Stop following you. Start following me. And the Bible says that the worries of that kind of lifestyle, the worries of giving up himself, choked out the joy of following Jesus, and he went away sad. I think it's one of the saddest stories in the Bible. But then there's a fourth type of soil. The Bible calls it the good soil. And the good soil, it says, it's the man who hears and understands. And the question that I ask immediately is how? How does this one man, how does this one section, how does this one group of people suddenly hear the the news of the kingdom and understand? And I'll tell you the answer. The answer is because God prepares them to do so. Because God has prepared that heart. And I just want you to write this down. We're filling in blanks here. Ready? God has to prepare you to receive his kingdom. God has to prepare you to receive his kingdom. This fourth soil was at one time one of the other three types. This fourth soil, the good soil, was at one time one of the other three types, right? It was hard, or it was rocky, or it was covered in thorns and weeds. That is our story, after all, isn't it? That's our testimony. We, at one time, were one of the other three types of soil, right? But God did something on our behalf. We're we're walking billboards of this. But by the grace of God, God stepped in and He did something. He loved us. That's what love is. Love in action. Okay, love is always a verb. And so God loved us and he changed our minds and our hearts towards him so that we would understand the message of the kingdom and we would receive his son, Jesus. James Montgomery Boyce, I I love it. Um, He says, uh, God is the divine gardener. God is the divine gardener. He can break up the hard ground. He can uproot the rocks and he can remove all the thorns. God's the divine gardener. Jesus says it this way, John 6, 44. He says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. And I'll raise them up at the last day. God has to prepare your heart to receive the kingdom. That's the fourth type of soil. It's the soil that God has prepared to receive the good news about Jesus. Okay, So we start there, four types of soil. We're studying Matthew 13. The next thing we need to understand is that there's a period in which... All plants can appear to be the same. There's a period in which all plants can appear to be the same. In fact, context is such a big deal. If you were to read on contextually, the very next part of Matthew 13, do you know what it's the parable of? The wheat and the tares. That's the very next parable. 
You want to see this concept on display? And what was that parable about? The guy goes out and he sows his field. And an enemy comes and he sows in uh, seed. And, and, and it's not until it all springs up that they realize what's been done. Now, now listen, a tear was basically a weed in a grain field that looked so similar to grain that it often could not be distinguished until the grain sprouted and formed heads. Now, in our parable, there are three types of soil that produce plants. Three types of soil produce plants. You notice that? And and at one point, all three appear to be healthy. All three spring up. Did you notice that? At one point, all three appear to be healthy plants. But but like the wheat and the tares, time is the true test. Like the wheat and the tares, time is the true test. And so over time, life gets tough. Feelings begin to fade. And, and, and because that person was never planted in Jesus in the good soil, Hebrews 6, because they'd only tasted of the things of God, because they'd only seen the Spirit at work, because they were never truly planted in Jesus, that persecution comes and they fall away because it gets difficult. Right? And, 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 and the thorny soil wasn't any better. The, the test of time with it is, is as, as time moved on, this thought of new life, this thought of a new way, was quickly choked out by worries about the old way about leaving everything behind, about what really made a person successful. And all the thoughts about new life were choked out there as well. And time was the test of that, which brings us to our third and final point. Only good soil produces enduring and abundant fruit. Only good soil produces enduring and abundant fruit. And there's some key words we'll talk about. Uh, and I, I know what your blanks say there, because you've got to fill in the blanks. I've got to give you something to do here on Sunday morning. Uh, so I know what the blanks say, but there's a word there I want you to circle. Uh, no, we'll, we'll move on. We'll, we'll, get, we'll get to it later. Okay. Uh, only good soil produces enduring abundant fruit. Ready? Uh, some key words we'll, we'll get to, but I want to I start here with a lesson we learned. Uh, anybody remember our study in the book of Acts? Anybody? It was a long time ago in a land far, far away. Uh, studying the book of Acts, there's a principle that we learned in the book of Acts that is completely at play here in Hebrews 6 and in Matthew 13. Ready? Here's the principle. Here we go. There is a faith that does not save. There is a faith that does not save. And we, we pick this up in the book of Acts in, in, in Acts chapter 8. There's a guy by the name of Simon the sorcerer. And, and, and Simon, he's just that. He's, he's kind of a magician. He likes to perform tricks. Uh, he's very well known. But something crazy happens. The promise of Jesus in Acts 1.8 happens, right? So the promise of Jesus, Acts 1.8, you'll receive the Holy Spirit and you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth. Holy Spirit falls, witnesses in Jerusalem. Uh, persecution breaks out with the, the stoning of Stephen. People begin to take off. Well, Philip's one of them. And Philip goes to Samaria. And in Samaria, he just begins to preach about Jesus and what's going on. Hey, I'm running while you're running because of Jesus. And now they're persecuting us. And here's the truth about Jesus. People start to get saved. And I want you to just hear kind of the account of Simon the sorcerer. I think I've got it for you. Scripture here, Acts 13 and 14. It says, Simon himself, uh, he hears the gospel. It says, Simon himself believed and was baptized. And he followed Philip everywhere, astonished by the great signs and the miracles that he saw. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're looking for a sign that somebody might be saved, that's a pretty good one, right? And so you think, man, this guy really got it. This guy, he was a sorcerer, and suddenly, man, he hears the gospel, and he believes, and he was what? He was baptized. Surely he's a Christian. But then you start to read the rest of the story. And so to listen to what happens, Acts uh, 18 and 19, um, Peter, again, uh, and, and, and some, some cool stuff is happening. And uh, watch this. It says, so when Simon saw that the Spirit uh, was given at the laying on of the apostles' hands, 
he offered them, see that next word? Money. That's old life. That's old thought. That's old ways. And he said, give me also this ability so that everyone on whom I lay my hands may receive the Holy Spirit. And uh, Peter responds to that. Verse 20 and 21. Peter answered, may your money perish with you. Get this. Because you thought you could buy the gift of God with money. You have no part or share in this ministry because your heart is not right before God. And then he goes on in verse 23 and he says this. He says, For I see that you are full of bitterness and you are captive to sin. What is Peter saying to Simon? Peter is saying, You are clearly, you are clearly not converted. And you have no part of the kingdom of God. You are clearly not, you have zero part of the kingdom of God. He's saying your heart is still dead. That's what verse 23 is. It's still captive to sin. So what do we do with that? What do we do with that? How do, how do we understand that? How, how, how do we know what genuine faith is? This is what we do. Write this down with me. True faith endures the test of time. True faith in, endures the test of time. Good soil produces enduring, abundant fruit. That is the lesson of Matthew chapter 13. It is the lesson of Hebrews chapter 6. And it is the lesson of Acts chapter 8. Good soil produces enduring fruit. There is a period in which all plants look the same. But only good soil produces enduring fruit. Turn back with me to Hebrews 6. There's one last lesson I want to share with you, and it's a difficult one. We don't like it a whole lot. Hebrews 6, verse 4, it says, It is impossible for those that have once been enlightened, that have tasted the heavenly gift, who have shared in the Holy Spirit, who have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the coming age, if they fall away, to be brought back to repentance, because to their loss they're crucifying the Son of God all over again and subjecting Him to public disgrace. Uh, last, last point I want to share with you. Uh, friends, people that walk away from a phony faith are virtually impossible to restore. Okay? There's a faith that doesn't save. There, there, there's a phony, counterfeit faith. There are a lot of people that have some level of belief and they run to Jesus and they say, Lord, Lord, I want to follow you. Like the rich young ruler, Lord, Lord, I want this eternal life. Lord, Lord, I am a disciple. And Jesus says to them, fine, but I have no place to lay my head. And life is going to be tough and you're going to face persecution. And, and, and if you really want it, you're, you're going to have to live the kind of life that I've lived where, where I'm, I'm beaten and battered and bruised and they kill me for it. You're going to have to eat of my body and drink of my blood. You ready? And the Bible says that many of those people at that point want no part. So they go from this, 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 whatever it is, you think about Simon. Simon has this kind of belief. He's baptized, even. He, he, he's a partaker of the things of God and church life. Yet he, he didn't get it at all. Now, there's some strong words in this passage. It says impossible. I use the word, uh, I think, nearly impossible. Some of you might say, well, I said virtually impossible. Why would you say virtually? I say virtually because... Uh, the Gospels say that all things are possible with God. So, so I'm going to use the word virtually. 
Um, I went and did a Greek study. I, I think that, that's appropriate in this passage. If we go back and look at the original language, we could use virtually and that'd be fine. Now listen, hear me. Uh, I don't want to pretend this morning that these are easy passages because they are absolutely not. But, but I do need you to hear this. They're not dealing with a Christian that is failing or has failed in some point and feels bad about their following of Jesus. That's not what these pastors are dealing with. These pastors aren't dealing even with somebody that is, is lazy or immature. We talked, to the, the, the previous pastors dealt with that. This isn't even about lazy or immature. This isn't about somebody that's temporarily lost their zeal to follow. It's not what this pastor is dealing with. It's not talking about somebody that, that is just not in the word like they have been. Lately, that's, that's not what this passage is. This passage is dealing with people that appeared to be the real thing, that had some level of faith and some level of belief, okay, but have actually turned away completely and now actually are enemies of God. They, they profess things against grace. They, 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 they're now persecutors of the church. This would be like Paul if you turned his life the other way around. Does that make sense? These people have become enemies of the church, enemies of grace. Uh, one great example of this, I don't know if you've ever read A Case for Christ by Lee Strobel, Case for Faith by Lee Strobel. Uh, there's, there's a man by the name of Charles Templeton. Charles Templeton, I think, is one of the, the saddest stories I've, I've heard in, in, in modern times, uh, Charles Templeton was a good friend of Billy Graham. And in fact, he, he went with Billy Graham on all kinds of crusades, and, and, and he was actually a better preacher than Billy Graham. Can you imagine that? There's not a lot of friends, there's not a lot of folks that can say, yeah, I'm a better preacher than Billy Graham. Like, like I mean, that's, like Billy would say, yeah, he was a great preacher. <laughs> but somewhere along the way, he began to listen to a bunch of liberal thoughts about the Bible. He began to question its authority. He started saying, well, you know what? I, I think that's just kind of allegory, that there. That's, that's, that's not really what God said. And so he started taking away parts. Well, yeah, I'm not going to listen to that part of Genesis. No, I'm not going to listen to this part. I'm not going to listen to this part. Before you knew it, there was no foundation left for his faith, and he became an atheist. And Charles Temp- Templeton is one of the leading atheist writers in the world, and he was interviewed by Lee Strobel, and in the interview with Lee Strobel, he began to weep about how much he missed Jesus. But he just couldn't go back. I'm not asking you to understand the warning completely. I can't. But I am here to tell you that it's genuine and that it's real. I'm here to tell you that the author of this book put it here on purpose because he was fearful that there were other people in the church that needed to hear it that there were other people in the church that may not really be planted in the good soil. And he needed to issue a challenge to them to make sure what their foundation was and where it was. And with that in mind, I want to give you some application, okay? I am not a good gardener at all. My wife has the green thumb. She usually plants and then she wants me to pick. That's when the garden just is done. At that point, when you put me in charge of it, everything dies, okay? But here's what I know about gardening. This is what I've learned. If you're going to plant a garden, you should probably test your soil. You should probably test your soil, right? You've got to know what kind of nutrients are there. And, and, and I, I really think this is, this is the challenge here from the author. He's saying, guys, make sure you're not one of these people. Test your soil. 
Test your soil. You say, well, how, Pastor Jason, how do I do that? Well, think about just the types of soil with me for a second, right? What, what, what about um, the, the rocky soil? Well, it, it said when it faces trials in life that it falls away. How do you respond to trials in life? Do you fall away? Do you lean back? Do you get angry or do you lean in? Do you, do you go deeper? Jesus, I need more of you. How do you just, just test the soil, right? You, you, you think about uh, the weeds. You think about the thorns. You ask questions like this. What, well, what are you living for? It says the, the worries about, about money and, and, and finances and, and, uh, and, and, and what's important in life, that, that all those things choke out the gospel. So I just, I just ask, man, what, what are you living for? Are you living for the glory of God or are you living for that, that 401k? <laughs> What, what keeps you up at night? Is it whether or not you're being used by God to bring him glory and to advance his kingdom? Or is it whether or not you're going to make that next bill? Whether or not you can afford the car? Whether or not you can keep your, your lifestyle going? And, and I just say, these are just tests. These are just things. Listen, I, I want to tell you, guys, this is where I am. I'm finished with that. You know why I'm finished with worrying about that stuff? Because Jesus said it's finished. <laughs> It's finished. And so by faith, I'm going to follow him, and I'm going to trust him, and, and we're just going to be found there. And, and you know what? I, so she says, well, how about you? You're only putting X amount away for retirement. You need X amount. Listen, how do you know? Lord might take me tomorrow, right? How do you know? You're talking about insurance. I've got the best insurance plan there is, brother, right? So let's just talk about it. Let's talk about life. So what are you living for, Right? Maybe you need to ask yourself this question. We're examining the soil. We're testing it. How hard are you? I know a lot of Christian folks that are very set in their ways. That's a red flag to me. Are you set in your ways or are you set in his ways? Because I think there's some Christian folks that are set in their ways and they're masquerading it as his ways. Doesn't strike me as that flexible, everything Jesus says goes. It's like, yep, this is it. We've got to make sure that we're not that hard soil. We've got to make sure that we're moldable, that we're bendable. And so you check the soil. Second thing you do, okay, is you've got to work it. Um, this, is the, this is where I fail gardening. Ready? It's an everyday experience. <laughs> I hate that part. I just want to plant it and get the fruit. I don't want to go out and weed it. I don't want to have to water. I don't want to have to make sure all the nutrients. I mean, you've got to continually do this stuff. But you know what? It's so important. And friends, I'm here to tell you that daily, if we're going to be the people that God has called us to do, that daily we need to make sure that we're being the people that God has called us to be. Daily. So we're praying, right? We're listening to Scripture. We're studying, but it doesn't stop there. You've got to be doing. You know what the book of Acts is about? Christians in action. Do you know why everybody loves the book of Acts? Because they changed the world. You are here today because Christians took their faith and practiced it. What will be said of this generation 100, 200 years from now? I pray that something got a hold of people and they started practicing it and and people flocked back to Jesus. That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Okay? We got it daily, daily. Um, I wrote something a couple weeks ago that the Lord has put on my heart, and I'll share it with you guys eventually. But I'll I'll just say this. One part of it was that God has convinced me that daily there is something I can do to make the world a better place. Daily. 
daily there is a way for me to love somebody daily. Make that your challenge. Every day, ask yourself at the end of the day, ask yourself midway through the day, have, have I loved somebody yet today? Have I, have, I, have, I, have I, I'm not talking about going and witnessing on somebody's door. I'm just talking about being a good friend, being an ear to listen, uh, providing a need. I'm, I'm talking about loving people because God loves people and he loves you and you're his children. And God, I mean, God loves all people and he loves people the same way he loves you. And, and you think about the way that God blesses you and just ask yourself this, have I been that kind of blessing to anybody else today? Daily. Just work the soil daily, right? And here's the last one. We'll be done. Hang on to the promise. You know what the promise is? That's what it says. It says, you know, through endurance and patience, hang on to the promise. God, the promise, of course, eternal life. But it's not just eternal life. It's also abundance. Did you catch out the... Anybody catch out, like, what was produced there in Matthew 13? Anybody check that out? If you stay in the good soil, did you notice the production... I mean, check out this crop. A hundredfold, 60-fold, or 30-fold. Those are the options, right? That's it. Now, I don't know about you guys, but, but I, did, I just did a little homework this week. My, my belief, and I'm praying Jeff will be better because he knows compounding interest, and I'm not great at it, right? But, but my, my estimation is roughly that most of humanity spends their life trying to double their investment. See, in, in, in our lifetime, we're going to make X amount of money, Right? And then all the experts tell you that to retire, you've got to have X amount of money. So you've got these two phases of life. Did you know that the X amount of money that you make while you're working and the X amount of money you're supposed to have to retire are more even today than they ever have been before? So what that means is that while you work, you're supposed to be putting money away, compounding interest over time, that hopefully when you're said and done and you get your last paycheck, that what's waiting for you is everything that you made when you worked so that you can live without having to work till you're... 99 and a half. I don't want to be 99 and a half. Spend your whole life just to double your investment. And Jesus says, oh, brother, oh, sister, oh, child, I've got a better investment plan for you. Every ounce of energy that you pour into this kingdom, you will receive a hundredfold. 60-fold, 30-fold, not, not double. Friends, I think we're missing out. I think we're missing out. Hold on to that promise. Hold on to that promise. You know, the author of Hebrews would say, listen, we've got better hopes for you. We believe in better things for you. I believe in better things for you too as well. But we've got to share this warning regardless, all right? Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your word. Um, we, we love you so much. We pray that uh, you'd take it uh, again as you have been and that you would just uh, light us up with it, God, that you would just set our hearts uh, ablaze uh, with its truths. And uh, Jesus, help us. Help us take a look at our lives. Help us look at how we respond to trials and, and struggles. Help us look at what we're living for. Help us look at whether or not we're set in our ways. We want to be planted in you, Jesus, the good soil. And we pray that you would take it that you would take us. And God, here's my prayer. I want to pray a big prayer. I pray that you would do something amazing in the life of every person here for your glory. Something, I mean, I mean amazing. I mean that makes an impact in the world 30 times, 60 times, 100 times over. In your name, Jesus, amen. Amen.